Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Father, we lift up this praise in this room, realizing that nobody is worthy of the praise except you. No one should receive this hallelujah but you because you've been good and you've been kind and you've been merciful and you've redeemed us and you've ransomed us. And so, God, we fill up in this room to say hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so, Father, as we move on with this service, I pray that this hallelujah wouldn't just stop with the song but that our lives would reflect that you be praised. So Father, do something crazy in this room today. Do something miraculous. Do something unexpected. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give glory. Amen. On your way down, just look up to heaven and say hallelujah. You may be seated. I love the way Revelation 19 says it. Hallelujah, salvation and glory belong to our God. Amen. The one who deserves our praise is Jesus because he has died for our sins. And not only that, but he rose proving that the death actually was the price that paid for our sin. And I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful to serve a God, a king that is worthy of our praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited to be in the house of God today. Always. Amen. Y'all excited in the room? Y'all excited? I'm always thankful. Never, ever, ever take for granted the opportunities that we have to come together to worship Jesus. Um, We went through a whole year and a half, almost two years of not being able to gather was two years of just seeing each other in the chat room on a live stream but you got the opportunity to get up this morning brush your teeth shower 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 and come on in the house of God amen it is nothing but the grace of God that we are gathered this morning we give him full credit for waking us up this morning uh, I have a lot to do and not a lot of lot, not a lot of time to do it in and we have to get over to uh, the, the, the park. And so if you grab your Bibles or devices, uh, I'm excited about preaching the word of God today. Go to the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. Uh, when you get to Matthew, go to chapter 21. Uh, man, I'm excited to hang out with y'all uh, today in the park right after this service. We all are going to head over. Some people have already started heading over and kind of setting up. Uh, if you're looking for where it is, by, by the way, registration, if you didn't register, doesn't mean you shouldn't come. It just kind of help you will help will help you to know where we're going to be at. But if you put in your Google Maps, um, if you put Prospect Park Smorgasbord, it'll show you the actual entrance in which you should enter. You know, Prospect Park is huge. I, I went there one time and we was all meeting up and we was like Prospect Park and we was on <laughs> opposite ends. Y'all know that's like an hour drive or hour walk get to the other end but anyway uh hope that you would meet us there uh, i'm excited about spades uh if if we become partners today uh just don't renege it's just we're gonna, we're gonna have problems and i i just don't know how to be gracious in spades i don't i don't have that in me and so uh and, and no talking over the board don't be changing the rules uh, we're gonna have a good time but i'm excited i i will be playing spades today so come see your boy 
Uh, hey, listen, I got a quick building update. We've been in this building for a while and I haven't given you guys an update and you guys have been um, generous and gracious. As you know, or maybe you don't know, maybe you just started coming over the last few months, uh, but this space that we're in right now is our temporary sanctuary. Downstairs is supposed to be our permanent sanctuary and this will be kids' rooms and uh, this will be office space. Uh, but man, I don't know if y'all know this, but we signed our lease to get in this space in September. And then we immediately were like, well, we need to start gathering again because we haven't been together in a long time. And so we started meeting in November. Um, I don't remember, I think it was the second Sunday in November. We started meeting in here. We quickly got this place together. I, we painted, put up some sound stuff, put some lights up and created a stage and said, man, this is going to be our sanctuary until we're able to get renovations downstairs we immediately started filing our our permits and, and paperwork we have a great architect and a great expediter by the way shout out to Gabe he is doing a phenomenal job working on all all of this stuff and so we finally got our stuff together and at the end of December we submitted our paperwork to the city to the Department of Buildings DOB and um throughout that process and I probably should have let y'all in on this a little bit more but throughout that process um, we just had a lot of back and forth. We got denied on some things. You know, we're change, trying to change occupancy, trying to do a little bit of renovations. And so the city has to approve everything. And I don't know if y'all know this, but New York makes everything hard. Ain't, ain't nothing easy in New York. We, we don't have red tape in New York. We have red tape to get to another red tape, to get to another red tape, to get to a... So we've had a, a few months after we submitted our paperwork in, in December, we had a few months of just back and forth, back and forth, uh, and finally, last week, we got everything approved through the Department of Buildings. Amen. That's a praise right there. And let me tell you how God did it. You know, we, we would, Gabe would give us updates every week on our staff call. And it was just, a, there were points where our, our paperwork was just sitting on some guy's desk and nobody could get in touch with this guy, but he had our paperwork and he was the only one that could approve it. And I, I just remember us, there were moments in our staff meeting where we'd stop and be like, let's just pray. And we would pray. And then Gabe told us last week that God moved him out the way, put somebody else and was like, why is this sitting? Approved the paperwork and moved us on. You can't tell me that ain't God. Amen. And so we, we tried to get Gabe to be a little bit Pentecostal and speak in tongues and stuff. He was like, no, nah, it's just, I'm had Thank God. Thank God. That's, that's Gabe. But um, you going Pentecostal, Matthias? I see you. Oh, stupid. Um, where was I? Yeah, y'all making me lose my place. Oh, so DOB. So when we were going back and forth with them, one of the things that they were um, adamant about was that we need handicap accessibility upstairs. Now that sounds easy and sounds quick. Like, all right, let's figure that out. Well, they told us to put an elevator in the building. And I don't know if you've ever been elevator shopping, <laughs> but it ain't cheap. Let's just put it that way. It's extremely expensive and so we went back to them was like it's no way we can't put an elevator in the building number one we just don't have the space for it we're trying to use every square inch for ministry and so we're like we can't do it and then we were like man we can't afford it and so we finally settled on putting a lift in the building so right up the ramp y'all ever seen those back in the day the old people back in the day that you know they they couldn't get up the steps so they they had a you know a chair and they so, y'all remember gremlins Y'all remember that scene from Gremlins when she, you know, the old lady was running away from the Gremlins and they played with the circuits and she sat in the chair and went all the way up and out the roof. I don't know where my mind is gone. My mind is gone. We have to put a, a, a ramp, a lift right up this ramp right here. 
And uh, you would think that that would be cheap, but we got quoted twenty-five dollars to $30,000 just for that. So we have some unexpected and unforeseen expenses, but I believe that unforeseen expenses need to be met with unforeseen generosity. I need somebody to say amen right there. Unforeseen generosity is what is what we need. And, uh, you know, we, we've been tightly monitoring our resources and, and, and finances. We have a very, 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 very tight system with many, many eyes that um, that look at our finances and we've been monitoring and this extra 30,000 is throwing everything completely off and we want to get in here man we want to do the work we want to this is the house of the way Paul will say it to Timothy is this is the house of the living God pillar ground and truth and man we're so excited about the redemptive story of God taking a club and flipping it for his glory and for his honor amen I mean that's just crazy to me still crazy to me but honestly, wow, the, 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 the lift is, is definitely a heavy, a heavy burden, a heavy load on us financially. And so we're trying to figure it out. And so I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you saying that there is a need. And if I can be honest with you, the need is greater than just 30, uh, 25 to 30,000. If we can get a larger cushion, the greater cushion we have, the a little bit easier, the whole thing will be. Anybody that has done construction knows that everything unforeseen always pops up, even once you start. And so we are asking uh, that you guys would consider some ways that you could be uh, generous. You know, God doesn't typically drop a stack in the bank. Like Gabe ain't going to call me on Monday and be like $150,000 just appeared in the account. That ain't how it happens. It typically uh, God provides through uh, your resources. And some of you could write that check right now and not even feel it. Um, and praise God for that. And I'm so serious. Some of you actually can do that. But I believe that we're going to get the ramp. Uh, the, the, the lift put in on the ramp and we're going to have uh, that surplus because God's people are generous because we serve a God that was generous. That makes sense. We only are generous because God is generous and he's modeled for us generosity. Um, speaking of a stack in the bank, one time, uh, not too long ago, Gabe called me and was like, we got a $45,000 check. And I'm like, praise God from where an insurance company. I'm like, for what? And then we realized, I don't know if y'all know this, but there is an epiphany Roman Catholic church in Brooklyn. So Gabe was like, can we keep it? I'm like, bruh, we can't keep it. He was joking. He was joking. He was not serious. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we gave that check back. God, that's just not how God, God does. He really does provide through, uh, through means of you. And so I, I want to encourage you today. Um, I can't promise you that if you give, your season cometh now. I can't promise you that if you give, you're going to get a Bentley. I cannot, I can't promise you that if you give, you'll be in perfect health. But here's what I can promise you, that God always sees generosity and responds. Can I read something real quick? This ain't the text that I'm preaching today, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This was encouraging me on Friday. Here's what it says. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest. It says verse 11, and you will be enriched in every way. Let me say that again. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and throughout your generosity and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase, there's that word again, your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, but I, I think sometimes we've swinged the pendulum too far and we think we just, we give and God doesn't see it. We give and God responds generous. God doesn't respond through being stingy. 
He, he responds when, by the way, your money ain't yours anyway. Everything, and I know you're like, oh, I, I worked hard. I'm not going to take it away from you. But the skill set, the DNA and how you are wired to get what you got was because God in the womb knitted you together and said, this is what you're going to do. And now give me some money back. That, that's how this thing works. And I want to be careful here. Um, I'm, I'm staying on this point a little bit longer than I wanted to. Um, although I have no issue saying, hey, God's people are in need. In fact, I was going to get up here and be like, we need money. Y'all got it. Give it. Amen. Let's go to smorgasbord. Um, but because I, I just genuinely believe that I, I don't know what a stingy Christian is. I, I don't. At the core of the gospel is generosity. And so uh, the good news is throughout the pandemic, uh, our giving has remained the same. And that's a huge blessing because not many people can say that. That is nothing but God's grace and your generosity. And so it's good news and bad news. Here's the good news. That throughout the pandemic, our giving has stayed the same. Here's the bad news. Throughout the pandemic, our giving has stayed the same. Because I believe that once you meet Jesus and you grow in your knowledge and understanding of his generosity and giving Jesus, he didn't give Daniel. He didn't, he didn't give Gabriel. He didn't give Michael. He gave his best. And when you are met with the reality that the gospel is that God gave his one and only son, we should respond back with generosity. And so I, I just believe that there should be growth on top of growth on top of growth because growth is happening in our hearts as we continue to understand Jesus. We all right? I feel a little weird talking about money. Are we good? All right. All right. Well, let's do this. I'm going to, the sermon today, I didn't want to just ask you and tell you about a need and say, hey, we need more resources, not just for the lift, but in general, without rooting that in a biblical theology of stewardship and generosity. So we're going to talk a little bit about generosity today. Pick me up in verse 1. We're in Matthew 21. By the way, shout out to Matthias on the organ. He is, I have not announced this yet, but he is our new musical director. Amen. Verse 1 says this. Now when they drew, they meaning Jesus and the disciples, drew near to Jerusalem, and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples saying, go into the village in front of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them, notice them, and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, if anyone says anything to you, you shall say to them, the Lord has need of them. And he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. So what, what Jesus is, is, is fulfilling is Zechariah 9.9. This text right here is Zechariah 9.9 being quoted. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king, coming, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put uh, put on them their cloaks and he sat on them most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest and he entered in jerusalem please don't miss this phrase the whole city was stirred up saying who is this and the crowd said this is the prophet jesus from nazareth of galilee i want to preach today from the topic entitled he gave what needed to be given 
Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord. Uh, Father, I simply want to pray Psalm 119. Open our eyes that we may behold the wondrous things out of your law. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't, as we talk about money today, I don't want to come at you sideways in any way. You know, th this is definitely not a moment. I, I don't believe that the pulpit should be a place of manipulation. Uh, I think you sh I should lay my agenda clearly on the table. I've, I've talked to you about a need and I've talked to you about generosity. The only thing I didn't do was put theology to what generosity actually is in the scripture. And so today that that's what I, I, I want to I, I want to talk about. And, to be, you know, if you're in here and you go, oh, man, like this is why I'm going to church. You know, because they always talk about money. Uh, hold your money. Like, don't don't give anything. Uh, but what we want you to do today is just really hear the heart behind the gospel and how God gives to us through Jesus. But you would be replete if you look through the scriptures, you would you would be amazed at how many times Jesus himself talked about money. In fact, one out of every seven verses of Jesus words were about money. Did you know one out of seven verses that Jesus said is about money. And I, I don't have some hidden agenda. Honestly, I don't have a hidden agenda. I'm not calling a thousand dollar line, you know, today for you to for you to give so that we can, you know, all of us together, if we all gave a thousand dollars, we we'd be able to, you know, knock out the, the lift. That's not that's not the agenda that I have today. Um, in fact, the last time I preached on giving, I didn't ask you for anything. If you remember, we actually gave y'all money. Y'all remember that? Was y'all here? We said, man, hospitality, pass around those envelopes, and y'all had envelopes, and, and they said, greed, they said uh, giving is better than greed, and some of y'all went out and y'all gave it to other people, and some of y'all bought lunch with it. But we said, man, look, what you do with it is your business. We just, as a church, want to model generosity for you. Well, no envelope is coming around today. I can just, just <laughs> don't, don't look around like he's going to drop a, a bag on us. Not today. We, we actually are in need. And, and, and so... Um, we wanted to model this thing for you, which is why we did that. We don't only do that with that service where I was like, man, let's, let's give out money to you. But we also, through the pandemic, have created something called a hardship fund. And many of you in this room have benefited from the hardship fund. The community has certainly benefited from the hardship fund. Do you know that we gave out $38,000 to the community throughout the pandemic? I don't know if y'all know this. We pay rent. People that were laid off and having hardship, we bought groceries, single mothers were blessed, all because you were generous to the church and given to the hardship fund, and then the church turned around and then began to be generous to the community. And like I said, many of you in this room have also benefited from the generosity of the church. And so I don't have a hidden agenda. I laid my agenda on the table. There's a need, a financial need, not just for the lift. Let me just be really clear. The financial need is not just for renovations downstairs. We need a consistent rhythm of generosity in the church because the church is a nonprofit organization. We, we, we get resources by your generosity. If you're not generous, then the church doesn't receive. And if the church doesn't receive, mission is hindered. And if mission is hindered, some person lost doesn't know Jesus, doesn't hear about the gospel. So your generosity actually sparks mission. Does that, does that make sense? We have to get beyond just us. So in the text today, this text of the triumphal entry, which only typically is preached on Easter. It's usually, in fact, it's preached a week before Easter because this is, the, this is the event that led into Holy Week. This is Jesus' last time entering into Jerusalem. 
He's riding into Jerusalem and they're all throwing down the, the palm trees. That's what we do on Palm Sunday. Hosanna to the highest. And, you know, it's usually preached on Palm Sunday. But the reality is generosity is deeply woven in the text. And I would be replete if I didn't tell you. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you the generosity in the text is not just one person generous, but two people are generous. And we're going to see that by the time we get to the end of this story. Let's first thing, let's start here. First thing to note about the craziness of generosity is God is asking us to be generous with normal, everyday stuff. Pick me back up in verse one. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Bring what to me? Bring the donkey and her colt. Now, this is Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. You would think that he would ride in for his last time in Jerusalem a little bit more swagged out. You, you, you would think that he, he would say, hey, the disciples, go into the village and find Air Force One because that, that's what presidents and kings ride on. But he doesn't do that. You would think he would go, say, go into the, to the village and, and find me a Benz, a black one with, with cream interior. That's just in my heart right there. Cream interior. Find that and bring that to me. Jesus doesn't even ask for a camel. He doesn't even ask for a horse. That would have been a little bit more luxurious. He's not asking for an upgraded ride. He asks for a donkey. And don't miss this. He asks for what he knew the donkey owner had. He didn't, he didn't stretch the donkey owner beyond his means. He didn't, and many of you in here, when I was going, oh, we need, you know, we're in need, you were sitting there going, oh, like I, I'm billed, like, you know, I'm, I'm month to month, I'm paycheck to paycheck, there's no way I can give, but do you know that little, this is a cliche, but it's true, little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand? Do you, do you know that? Generosity has nothing to do with the amount. Generosity has everything to do with what happens when God takes little and goes, and blows on it. Write this down. The miracle of provision has less to do with the amount and more to do with God's ability to multiply it. Let me say that again. The miracle of God's provision has less to do with the amount and more to do with his power to multiply it. He said, you got a donkey and a colt and all I need is a donkey and a colt. He asked the man for what he knew he had because what God does is he'll take the scraps that you have and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it. God doesn't work in, in, in just addition. He multiplies the little we have and we begin to reach the city because of a little bit. And that's true of you. Many of you don't understand how in the midst of a pandemic, you still was eaten. How in the midst of inflation, you still got a roof over your head. I bought groceries yesterday. They expensive. In the, in the midst of this crazy season that we're in, you still good. You ain't skip a meal. You still got a roof over your head. You still got clothes on your back. It's because God takes crumbs and blows on them. Ooh. You know the story with the with, with the with, with the or Jesus feeding the five thousand. Anybody heard that story before? Where Jesus multiplies a little boy's lunch, and and he asks he asks for to give, to give me something that I can that I can multiply. And what the little boy gives is two fish and five loaves. Have you ever asked yourself, was it the amount that the boy gave that made Jesus multiply, or could the little boy have given two uh, one fish and two loaves? He gave two fish and five loaves, but Jair, what if he gave 
one fish and two loaves, would Jesus still have been able to feed 5,000? The answer is yes, because it's not about the amount. He could have took a crumb and a fish fin and fed 5,000 people. Because it's not about the amount. And if you're sitting here going, $30,000, is no way I could do that. But if you could do a little bit, God knows how to multiply a little bit and make it a lot. And again, I said this is true of you. Some of you have experienced God's provision. Some of you, you have experienced the little bit that you had and God kept supplying and supplying and supplying because that's the craziness of generosity. When you give to God, he takes it and he does something great with it. Somebody say he multiplies little. Come on, look at somebody else and just say he multiplies little. And the crazy thing about the text is that Jesus asks for stuff that's already his. Don't miss this. He's asking the the donkey owner who he created for a donkey that he created, and he didn't even have to. You know Jesus got this whole God thing going on. He could have said, disciples, turn around three times. By the third time they turned around, boom, a donkey and a colt was right there. Jesus could have blinked his eyes and been in Jerusalem. He didn't even need to ride into Jerusalem. But don't miss this. Jesus takes time and says, hey, y'all go to the village. Y'all ask him for the donkey. Y'all give him the ability to participate in the miracle. And he gives of the donkey. Jesus, it feels like Jesus is wasting time, but he's not wasting time. He's asking them for stuff that is already his, meaning he's allowing them to participate in the miracle. So when I'm asking you, when I'm sitting there going, yo, there's an opportunity before you to give. I'm I'm not sitting here asking begrudgingly. I know that God is giving you an opportunity to participate in this thing called mission. Ah, man, I, I hope this is making sense. He says, go into the town, find the donkey. And he's asking, this is absurd to me, that he's asking for stuff that's already his. And what I love about Jesus asking for stuff that already is his is that he owns everything. This is why, you know, when it comes to this little lift that we need to put in, like whether you give or not, he's still going to provide. That, because he owns everything. In fact, there's a verse in Psalm 24, verse 1, that says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof the world and those that dwell in it. Jesus owns everything, and so he doesn't need your money. He's giving you the ability to give. Do you know if God really wanted to, like, we could have just come in here next Sunday and all of us would be surprised to see that a lift and an elevator is all put in here? Do you, do you know that's the stuff God can do? I know you don't believe in those type of miracles, but that's the type of God we serve. In fact, if God wanted to, he could say, where y'all at 960 ain't big enough. Go four blocks down the road to the Barclays Center. Oh, y'all don't, y'all don't think God could do stuff like that. He could move on the owner of the, of the nets to somehow wake up and be like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it was a bad taco at eight. But I, for some reason, I feel like I'm supposed to give the Barclays Center to y'all. And then we can change, you know, from the nets to the epiphanets. <laughs> if God wanted to, because he owns everything. And because he owns everything, he doesn't have to ask you. He's giving you the opportunity to jump in this thing called mission. And the IRS doesn't ask you. See, Jesus asks you, and the IRS just takes. Oh, y'all, y'all know y'all look at y'all check and be like, how in the heck $452.92 come out? It's because the IRS could care less about how you feel about it. They just take it out. But here God is, the creator of all things, even you, even the money that's in your account. And he's saying, can you please give? He says, guys, go ask the donkey owner. And the donkey owner 
responds back. Now, how he responds is a little comical. Verse 3, it says, if anyone says anything to you, this is after you get there, you should say to them, the Lord has need of them, and he will send them at once. This is a little bit comical to me. That the disciples get there, and they see the, they see the donkey and the colt, and they start untying it. And the donkey owner uh, says, what are you doing? This, that's my stuff. And they say, the Lord has need of it. And the donkey owner's like, okay, take it. Like, it's, it's a little bit comical to me, but you have to understand what is going on. When he says the Lord had need of it in ancient time, whenever someone of high stature, a king, a general, even a notable rabbi could walk up to any random person and, 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 uh, and procure um, uh, the transportation to the next village as long as they give it back. In fact, our verse doesn't say it, but in, in Matthew 11, he says the Lord has, needs of, has need of it and he'll return it immediately. That's what the text says. So in other words, what God is doing right now is he's borrowing the donkey. He's not stealing. Don't miss this. The owner's going to get it back. He's giving something, but he's giving knowing that when Jesus gets it, Jesus returns it. He's giving something, but he knows that he's going to get it back and I love this idea that God gives back because that, that's what God does. And, and sometimes he gives it back financially. I don't want to be all prosperity on you this morning. Although I do believe that God does provide for us in crazy ways. And sometimes when you give a little bit, he returns it back financially. I do believe that. But what if God's return on the investment was souls being saved? Would that be good enough for you? Would you empty out your bank account? And I'm not asking you to, but hear me. Would you empty out the bank account? in order to see one person come to know Jesus because you did that. But would you do that? And this is the type of stuff God does. Whenever you give, God always returns it back. Yes, the donkey owner is giving it, but the donkey owner knows in a little while after he rides into Jerusalem, I'm going to get the donkey and the colt back. I read this earlier, but there were some things in here that I want you to pay attention to. Second Corinthians chapter 9, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store and your seed. And you will be enriched. This is what the text says. I'm not making this up. You will be enriched in every way. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. When you give, God responds and he gives back to you. And some of you are going, oh, man, like, I, don't, and I feel like a little prosperity today. I don't, I don't know why I'm struggling so much. I don't know why, I, you know, I, I can't make ends meet. I wonder if it's because we're stingy and God is like, I can't be generous to you. When you aren't, when you aren't generous at heart with your stuff, and that's the thing, man. I, you know, the reason that Ty and I give is because we want to see a return on the investment, not just financially, but we want to see a return on the investment being people that don't know Jesus, meet Jesus, grow up in their faith, become deacons, elders, uh, leaders, uh, 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 worship leaders. I want to see people's lives changed. And so I give to mission. And sometimes, you know, we've been taught, those of you who grow up, I joked around Matthias about Pentecostal church, but sometimes we've been, we've been taught uh, that you give because out of fear, you don't want to be cursed with a curse. But I don't give because I'm cursed with a curse. Do you know Galatians says to me that cursed is he that hung on a tree? Jesus took all of my curse. A believer can never be cursed. And so I don't give out of fear of being cursed. I give out of motivation that God gave me Jesus. And because God gave me Jesus, I now want to be generous. And so the return on the investment might be financial. I don't know. But what if the return on the investment is the city being reached? You know, when we first started 
planting the church, we had, we had nobody. And so what we did was I went around the country to these, uh, these churches that had resources, and I would pitch vision. I would cast vision. I would say, man, this is what we want to do. And one of the churches I went to, when I was telling them about what we wanted to do in Brooklyn, the, the chief financial officer said to me, well, what do we get out of it? Well, I said, well, the gospel will be preached, people will be saved, and a borough that you'll never live in. Do you know the church said, that's good enough for me, go get the check, and wrote a check purely based on knowing that we would never give them the money back, but that people would be saved because of it? Some of you in this room right now have experienced growth and experienced the impact of Jesus because somebody you don't know was generous, and what about you being generous so that somebody you don't know comes closer to Jesus? The donkey owner is going to get it back. And how he gets it back, how you get it back might be souls. It might be financial. I mean, I just read a verse that says, man, he'll increase you in every way. He'll enrich you in every way. And so the donkey owner is met with a decision. Do I be obedient to Jesus? He's asking me for a donkey. He's asking me for a colt. Do I give? Do I give it? Now, no, notice something else that's happening here. Verse four, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. It says, Zechariah 9, 9, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Don't, don't, don't miss this. The, the donkey owner is now written into the story and fulfilling a prophecy all because he wasn't stingy. What if he said, nah, Jesus need to go down the street and get a donkey down there? He would have never been written into the story. But he's written into the story of God because of generosity. Don't miss this. Zechariah 9.9 is being fulfilled right now. Do you know that Zechariah 9.9 was written in 500 B.C.? Who knew that generations later that some man born was going to have a donkey and he be the one that the fulfillment of the, uh, of the prophecy would flow through. That is crazy to me. And I know you're in here going, well, he fulfills Zechariah 9.9. If I give, what am I fulfilling? You know what you're fulfilling? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. Do you know that the ends of the earth is Brooklyn? Do you, do you know that the ends of the earth is Manhattan? Do you know that the ends of the earth is, I think, Staten Island? Do you know that the ends of the earth is Queens? Do you know that Bronx is the ends of the earth? God knows how, what you say. God, God, you messing me up, bro. That's what we be talking over there. God knows how to do something crazy when you give, and your giving writes you into the story. Do you know that the widow that had the two copper coins, y'all remember that story? Widow has two copper coins. Jesus sitting in the cut and he watching. He watching the people give. And, 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 and the Bible says that the Pharisees, they come with these big, large bags and they, you know, dump all their, all their money into these, into these baskets. And this one little lady comes with two small copper coins. By the way, she's a widow. So this is all she got. And she puts in the basket. You know what Jesus says? She's given more than anybody. You only know about her because she was generous and her generosity wrote her into this thing called the Bible. The boy I was just talking about with the lunch, the two, the, the two fish and the five loaves. You only know about his story because he was generous to let go something that he had. What about Joseph of Amaranatha? We only know about him because he let Jesus borrow his tomb. And let me say borrow because the tomb is still empty. So Jesus, they take it and still there. 
but he gets written into the story based on his willingness to be generous and let go something that was his. And let me just say, when you were generous, God always writes you into the story. And when you're stingy, he writes you out of the story. And some of y'all are sitting here going, oh, man, I, you know, come on. It's supposed to be a fun day. It's supposed to be a nice day. But let me just tell you, giving is fun. I need people that have, you know, uh, 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 Exodus chapter 35 talks about the people had a generous heart. People with a generous heart love to give. And, and let me just tell you, if you're wondering how you get a generous heart, focus long enough on the fact that God gave Jesus and your heart will start to become generous. Because there's no way you can be rocked by the gospel and be stingy. What is that? What is that? What is a, a stingy Christian? You mean to tell me God gave you that promotion and you stocked up in your saving account? And you ain't give back to him? How do I give back to him? Through his body? Through, through the church? I got to move on. What does this giving do? That's the question. What does his generosity, that he gives the donkey, he gives the colt, what does that actually do? Verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their cloak on the road and other branches from trees, and they spread them on the road, and the crowd that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, I told you to underline this. The whole city was stirred up. Can you imagine this? Because one man was generous. He saw a tidal wave happen through Jerusalem all because of his generosity. Let me say it this way. Jesus rode in for the last time into Jerusalem on the back of somebody else's generosity. Can you imagine? What if what is stored up and tied up in your bank account right now is the thing that Jesus rides into the city and redeems the city with? Well, what if the thing that you're holding on to and the money that you were keeping for you and wanted to spend on you, what if that little bit of money is the thing that Jesus like, I'll get on top of that and I'll ride that and I'll stir up the city because of your generosity? What if marriages would be restored because you gave? What if addictions would be broken because you gave? What if a single mother was helped out because you gave? Imagine this. Like, this is not hyperbole. That's what God does. He uses the stuff that we have. He redeems the city with it. Now, I'm wondering, the way, the way my mind works is, what is the donkey saying? Yeah, let me, that's what I'm thinking. I know y'all going, come on, B, you using your sanctified imagination a little too much. But Balaam's donkey in Numbers 22 talked. Shrek's donkey talked. You can't tell me Jesus' donkey ain't going to talk. I wonder if the donkey is riding in, and as everybody is saying, Hosanna to the highest, I wonder if he's saying, I'm bringing in the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sins of the world. Can you imagine what the donkey is saying? And that's the thing. When I said, hey, he, he, he gave what needed to be given, you thought I was talking about the donkey owner, but he actually pales in generosity compared to Jesus riding in. Because Jesus riding into the, city is, into the city is the true MVP of generosity. Because he's riding in for the last time to give up his life. Wait, not just give his life, but give his life as a ransom. What does that mean? To give his life instead of you giving yours. Do you know that's at the heart of the gospel? That Jesus doesn't just die, but Jesus dies in your place. That should rock you. 
That should move you to generosity because the wrath that was stored up against my sin, Jesus said on the cross and absorbed it all. Every sin, every sin you've committed in the past, every sin that you're presently in, I'm going to mess you up. Sins you haven't even committed, Jesus has absorbed on the wrath, through the wrath of God. And here's the crazy thing. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, the wrath remains. I ain't trying to scare you, but the wrath remains. And so generosity in the text, I'm not just moved by the donkey owner. I'm moved at the fact that Jesus would ride in on the back of generosity, go to a cross, be brutally beaten, flesh ripped apart, Blood begin to shed out for our sins. All of this because he loved you. You. Not the future you. You now. The trifling you. The ghetto you. He loves you now as you are. So much so that he is willing to die for your sin. Does this not rock us toward generosity? Does the fact that Jesus was generous not rock you and make you want to give? And as I said, you know, the lift is going to be paid for. But you know how I know it? Because God has always been, always been gracious. He's always been gracious with provision. Not just for the church, but personally in our lives. I've always seen God. There have been times I've been like, God, I ain't got the money. Like, I know you don't fool, but I got the money. You think a lift is hard for God? You think an elevator is hard for God? You think God keeping his AC on and lights on is hard for God? That's nothing. He owns it all. But he's allowing you today to give. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to end here. Worship team, y'all come on up. I'm going to end here. You know, it's so interesting that Jesus asked for a donkey and a colt, and the donkey owner gave the donkey and the coat. If I'm the donkey owner, I'm going to be like, God, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give one. Y'all know how we do. I ain't, I ain't the only one. I'm like, I'm going to give the donkey, but I'm going to keep the coat. I'm going to keep the coat, but I'm going to give you the donkey. That, that's how our minds are. And some of you in here are going, you have in your mind, you're like, oh, man, I, I have a number. I have a number. I can contribute. I can help. In fact, I talk to people after, this, after, the, after the first service. I, I know how to help. I got it. But what if your number is just the coal? What if your number is just the donkey? What God wants is not just generosity. He wants obedience met with generosity. He wants you to stretch. He wants you to be sacrificial. Oh, by the way, do you know sacrifice is at the heart of the gospel? That God wasn't just willing to give his one only son, but then Jesus went and sacrificed himself. So I don't know who I'm talking to. Some of you, if I can be honest, you've been extremely generous. Look, I, I get the report monthly. I get the report. You have been extremely generous. And there's some of you that you're like, you know what? I've, I've never given to the church. We're not mad at all. But what I will say is you have a real opportunity before you today to give to God, not to me, talked about that black Benz with the cream interior. I don't have it. In fact, we don't own a car. My oldest son got a car and I ain't got a car. How was that? <laughs> By the way, I need you to take the laundry this afternoon. <laughs> God supplies all of our need. And there's somebody that's in this room that you have operated in a stingy way. God is just knocking on the door of your heart today and saying, hey, don't forget me because the 
same God, this is Job, same God that gives knows how to take away. And you be stingy long enough, you're looking at bank account. You know how you get that email below 25? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You'll see that email by the time you get out of here. And I, I'm not, again, this is not a prosperity gospel. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I love God so much, I, I want to give to him. I want to be generous with my money. I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous with the giftings that he gave me because it's all his anyway. Father, I thank you for the blood that you shed. The blood that you shed is the generosity that we build our lives on. Because you were generous, oh God, today we desire to be generous as well. So would you stir up our hearts? Would you help us to understand that it's really you that gave us all that we have? There, there's no way, no way possible that we'd be able to make ends meet without you. And so because you've been that good to us and because you've been that kind to us, help us to bring our crumbs together and make a meal. Help us to bring our little bit together and accomplish mission. So Father, we thank you, oh God, for this construction project that's before us. And we believe by faith that you're going to provide not just enough, but more than enough. Because you always do. And because all is yours. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.